This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Welcome to Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer and scribe at the OBR, coming at you after another um, pretty challenging loss for your Cleveland Browns, uh, 38-24 to final um, out in Arizona. Pretty, um, pretty miserable effort from beginning to end. I think there were times where this game seemed or felt, um, you know, felt close. The Browns had it to 14-7, 14-10 and then 21-17, but it never really felt like they were going to turn the corner because it never really felt like their defense was going to be able to get a stop. And uh, we'll get into all of those uh, little little nuances and little different situations, but uh, we'll go through like we do, guys, the typical rundown of numbers. Uh, it's uh, um, total net yards for Cleveland was 393 to 445 for Arizona. Um, both teams had pretty close first down marks, 26 to 25. Cleveland actually ran seven more offensive plays. The Cardinals averaged 7.4 yards a play, which is pretty wild. Um, but they ran for 226 yards. Second straight week, Cleveland's been gashed for high rushing yardage numbers. Threw for 219. Cleveland ran for 152, threw for 241. Penalties were close to even, six and five. Two turnovers for Cleveland, one for Arizona. Um, only two punts apiece. But Cleveland gave up five touchdowns and, um, you know, a, a made field goal. Cleveland was only able to score three and uh, missed a field goal as well. Uh, time of possession was really close to even as well. Um, standout uh, numbers for, for Cleveland, 17 for 127 for Nick Chubb, one touchdown. Uh, Baker Mayfield, 30 of 43 for 247, a couple touchdowns and an interception. Uh, Odell Beckham. Eight catches on 13 targets, 66 yards. Kareem Hunt, eight catches, nine targets for 62. Damian Ratley with 33 yards. Ricky Seals-Jones, 29 yards and a couple touchdowns. Landry had eight targets, five catches, 23 yards. And um, defensively, Greedy Williams had nine tackles. Demarius Randall had eight tackles. Uh, Mack Wilson had seven in an interception. Joe Schobert had five. Sheldrick Redwine had seven tackles. There were no sacks. Cleveland did not get to the quarterback once. Um, and then, like we said, Mac Wilson had that one interception for the 21-yard return. Ken, uh, Kenyon Drake on, on the side of Arizona had 22 for 137 and four, yes, four rushing touchdowns. Kyler Murray had eight carries, 56 yards. Christian Kirk had a carry for 28. Um, uh, let's continue here. Kyler Murray had 19 of 25, very efficient, 219 yards. Did have that one interception, um, but he also threw a touchdown. 
Uh, Demarius Bird had six catches for 86 yards, three catches for Larry Fitzgerald for 42 yards. Christian Kirk, four for 33. Jordan Hicks had 10 tackles. Patrick Peterson had seven and an interception. Uh, Buda Baker had seven. Chandler Jones had five and a sack. And um, like we said, Patrick Peterson had that interception in the end zone. So I don't, I don't know where to take this podcast. I don't, I don't necessarily um, know what's going to say to make you feel better. There's nothing I can say to make anybody feel better. It's been, it's been one of the biggest seasons of disappointment I've experienced in my entire life. Um, and, and and they've had worse seasons. They've had worse record seasons. They've had terrible t- t- shit. Sorry, terrible seasons in the past twenty years. It's 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 ugly. Um, and it's been ugly, but this just, this feels different and it feels so empty. I think that, you know, the Browns have gone 0-16 and that was a hilarious embarrassment, but in that embarrassment, you could see this sort of talent path that, um, between pick opportunities and, 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 and widespread cap space, a path to where the Browns could be competitive. And in that 2017 season, yeah, they lost 16 straight games, um, pretty terrible obviously but you could also see that the some of them a majority of those games were pretty close and they were knocking on the door and they had some talent uh, and especially some young talent that was taking off Miles Garrett David Njoku was coming along you could see this sort of uh vision that that that, that, that this team if they get the right coach at that time Hugh Jackson was was yet to get another year but if they get the right coach and they get the right um, you know, players with these opportunities they have and picks and in cap space, that there was a path. So in the back of your mind, you had hope. And hope, like all things in life, hope springs eternal. And without hope, it's a pretty desolate situation. And, um, you know, it, 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 it felt like, okay, I can stomach this if I know that we're going there. And um, that's, that's pretty true about the 0-16 season. Last year started out rough. It started to feel bad. But then Baker Mayfield came along, and you're like, okay, we have this quarterback uh, that, that could save us, and he's playing this heroic football in the second half of the year. And Denzel Ward has come on nicely, and Miles Garrett has come on nicely. And we have these foundational pieces. We just need to get a couple more pieces, and we could really compete. And they did that. They kept the head coach around who they – sorry, they hired the head coach who we all thought was – solely responsible for bringing out the best in Maker Mayfield, who we thought was was responsible for turning around this offense in the second half. And while those things may have been true at the time, um, that has not carried into this season. They they went out and got, you know, Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon and Odell Beckham, and the expectations were huge. And that's where things get unfortunately dangerous, is that expectation versus reality in, in anything in life. Um, you have a way you expect anything to go, a relationship, uh, an occurrence, an event, you have an expectation, and when those expectations don't get met, things become very disappointing and dangerous, especially mentally for you. Um, you know, for, for me, I think that, that, that all of life's happiness stems from what you expect out of a person, out of a situation, out of um, a job, whatever. You have to find a way to get your expectations to hopefully meet reality. Well, the expectations for this team were wild. I was a part of those expectations. I didn't see a path based on last year and this year that they would struggle. Now, call that a lack of foresight, whatever. Um, there has just been no connection between Freddie Kitchens and this roster and his staff in this roster from the beginning of the year to now. Um, to say we were all duped is uh, is pretty fair at this point. I think that we were all fooled by what we thought this team was, we thought these players were, and it hurts. And now you're looking at a team that's 6-8, and eight, just lost to by, by two touchdowns to the Arizona Cardinals, 
Um, a team that hasn't won by two touchdowns in a game since 2017, um, and they and they looked embarrassing in doing so. And and all of the same issues keep coming up for them. And the, the biggest thing, and I think I've even wrote about this at the beginning of the season, that the, the Browns could miss the playoffs. They could struggle more than we thought. But if Baker Mayfield was fine, if he was coming along and he was playing well, you could have a silver lining. Well, that silver lining is not there anymore. And and I'm not I've I've wrote extensively on what's gone wrong for Baker in year 2, and I've wrote one read uh quarterback, deep lack of deep shots. I've I've wrote everything um I can about what's going on with him, mechanically what's going on with him. I I can't write about it anymore. And people want to know what's the big difference between this year and last year. Like this year he has seven he would. He has six games. Four in the last six um, have been under 200 yards, and that's a problem. Three in the last five. I think six or seven total. I, I don't know. I tweeted about it during the game. They, they were under 200 yards total passing. It happened to him twice in his 14 games last year. That's even including a game where he just played a half of football against the Jets. So it's a. He, he's. I don't like to use the word regress, but. Um, He's certainly not playing as well, making his quality decisions, doing as well within the pocket as he did last year. And if you don't want to use the term regression, that's fine. I'm going to have to use it. He is not playing as good a football as he did last year. Now, the question is, well, why? I don't know. I don't know if this offense is too challenging for him. I don't know if this offense is too challenging for Freddie to create space. It doesn't seem like the Browns have very many situations where players are running wide open. It doesn't do much to confuse defenses. Um, the offensive line has not been as good as we hoped that they would be. They've been shuffling players in and out. It's a it's it's a, a melting pot of reasons, and I think that I even tweeted this out recently that you can blame whoever you want. You know, in this game, the Browns have an opportunity up the left sideline to Odell Baker puts it in the right spot, it gets dropped. Two plays later, Baker throws an interception on a high throw cross uh, on a post route to Beckham. They run really weird. Uh, unnecessary gadget plays on third and two. They don't run the ball as much as they should run the ball in certain situations. I think you can blame whoever you want to blame. Um, you can you can pick the coaches, you can pick the quarterback, you can pick the offense. That's what happens when a team that is this talented is crumbling and can't figure it out the way that we all expect them to figure it out. Is we just want one answer for why it's going? It's not one thing it's multiple things and it's every other play and that's a lack of cohesion and ultimately guys in my opinion that falls on the offensive coach staff because execution has to be better you can let players go you can you can bring in new players but at the end of the day just like any job if you work a sales job and you're underneath a boss and you're not making enough sales and they fire you and they bring in someone else and they fire that person they bring in someone else eventually it falls on the boss so as a head coach, Freddie Kitchens has to take blame because it trickles down from him to his coaching staff and then ultimately to the players. And if and if over a period of time, guys, the players aren't getting it done, then it becomes who's bringing in the players. Is that the GM? If that's the GM, then that's a conversation that has to be had because right now they are not getting it done. I don't have big issues with the game plan. I thought that there were some 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 – uh, mistakes and and timing of play calls, which Freddie's done all year. It's no it's no secret. I think he he is far from a perfect offensive coordinator, but I thought it was overall okay. They ran some nice schemes into some blitz stuff that the Cardinals were throwing at them in terms of run game. I don't know. I I don't I don't I don't have that. I don't have that perfect answer. I don't have it. I I just know that it's it's it is such a lack of cohesion. There seems to be a lack of understanding. I wish I could count the number of times that the Browns break the huddle 
and have to send somebody in the opposite direction because they don't break the huddle in the right direction or someone's telling the other person what to do on a play or Baker's telling somebody. There's not a concrete, firm understanding of the offense, um, and that is a problem. I don't, I don't think these guys know the playbook like they need to, and it is carried over to being guys on, on different pages, a lack of communication, a lack of timing, all of those things um, are playing out there. And maybe maybe Freddie tweaked too many things offensively. I We're not in the offices. I think anybody can make assumptions or guesses, and I can, I can give you 15 guesses, guys, but I don't know. Until you get the players talking about it off record or even on record if they want to or coaches pulled aside, I don't know what the issue is, but I do know, like you do, that it's not working. So the Ian Rappaport thing about Freddie Kitchen's job is safe, I don't know about that. I just don't know how they can – lose this game by 14 points when they're still alive for the playoffs and the Steelers lost and they were going to be in an okay position going forward. They lose this game in an embarrassing nature. They have Baltimore next week who is going, I think, to clinch the division, which they'll pour all of their efforts into Cleveland. And and if you look at it defensively where they are just terrible, their depth is so bad up front. It is it is a huge problem. They're one of the league's worst run defenses again. I think they're 26th in yards allowed. Um, they can't stop the run when it when it matters, or even in in the sake of normal play right now. And you can say, okay, Olivier Vernon's out, and Miles Garrett's out. Those are just edge defenders. They'll make some plays for you, but they're not getting enough from the interior of Larry Ogunjobi. I know Sheldon Richardson has had some good games. They didn't get enough again. And they're they're you know Mac Wilson's a nice young linebacker, had a nice interception, but he's been one of the worst graded defenders the linebacker position, bottom four, I think 92 out of 96. He can't defend the run um, continually. And Joe Schober gets a lot put on his plate. And it's like they're getting no help up front from the rotational pieces. Um, and and they're just not playing it well. And I think the Cardinals and Bengals have exploited them. You know, the Dolphins are one of the worst run teams in the league, so I throw that one out the window. They just have not handled run defense in any sort of successful fashion Um you know, going back several weeks now, and it's uh, it's it's going to end up hurting them next week, and it'll probably end up hurting them again with Joe Mixon in Week 17. You you have to be able to stop the run. I think you can give up the run running yards to an extent, but you have to be able to eventually stop the run, or teams are going to continually keep drives alive and make quarterbacks throws easy. And that's what's happening with the Browns' defense right now, as they're just getting chunk play after chunk play, and it's putting them in bad gamble situations in the secondary because they have to come up to support the run, and then throws are easier for quarterbacks. So the defense is playing bad football. They're missing some of their better players, um, and I I just. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm caught at looking at stats week to week. It feels like there are stats that come out about opposing defenses or opposing offenses where they struggle, and, and the Browns can't exploit it. I think that they had given up. I thought. I saw that Cody Sweat put out a, a pretty good tweet about, and it wasn't a secret. All week, people were talking about the issues the Cardinals had and and covering tight ends. And I think that they had given up something along the lines of uh, 956 yards to tight ends and 13 touchdowns, which is a whopping number. The Browns only targeted their tight ends. Now, why David Njoku's inactive, I have no answer for. Um, he's a healthy scratch. I don't know. He must not be healthy or there's a disconnect in where he's been. I, it, it could be <laughs> It could be any number of reasons. I don't have a good reason for why he didn't play. Nobody knows. It feels like guys like guys the second level, the middle class of NFL rosters are so important. It feels like, you know, Rashard Higgins doesn't play much again. You have Jannard Avery getting traded. You have um, you know, David Njoku was a big part of last year. He he's he's not playing healthy scratch late in the year. 
the middle class that was really helping this team can't seem to do anything to help them anymore. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> it speaks to why they're struggling like they're struggling. They, they, like I said today, they only targeted those tight ends six times, only had four catches for 42 yards. They did have two short touchdowns, but those were, you know, one was in garbage time when they're just playing prevent, and then another uh, on a nice play action scheme down at the goal line. But they weren't impactful players. They weren't changing the game. You know, Ricky Seals Jones is a nice player, but they weren't putting him in spots to change the game. So I don't know. <laughs> I keep saying I don't know. I, I'm at a loss. I think if I knew how to fix it, I'd be in Berea. I'd be working for the Browns. I don't, I don't have the answer that you might be looking for on this podcast. I don't have the answer that. Um, a lot of people want me to come up with. I just know that they're not very good and they're not very well coached and they're just bad. Um, and sometimes collecting talent doesn't manifest itself into winning football games. And I think John Dorsey is, if you look at a trade of a GM as a GM, a, a team builder or are they a talent collector or whatever, John Dorsey falls on the side of talent collector and he's collected talent, but there is no cohesion and there is no team aspect uh, built here and I think that that is something that has hurt them and um, that lack of a, a, a foundational team and uh, you know and, and at the end of the day the quarterback not playing as well as you would hope he would in year two has also been a big has been a big problem I think you know we all want to say you know run the ball run the ball run the ball well, that's because the quarterback is making mistakes and if your quarterback who you, we all think is this franchise guy this really good player can't make simple reads and throws then we have a bigger issue on our hands and ultimately guys i don't want to be the bearer of bad news i'm already this is a pretty negative tone podcast if if baker mayfield isn't going where we think hope pray he can go as a quarterback then this franchise isn't going anywhere and um that's the hard truth i think that i think that that's something you understand because the best teams in this league are led by really good quarterbacks and that has been a a, a, um, you know a thing that's held true over the course of NFL history quarterbacks that are playing good football have high upside those are the guys you know seeing things a step or two ahead that are that are making it happen and uh, and we you know we saw some of that in year one from Baker we have not seen that in year two do we see it again Maybe. Does he need a new quarterback coach? Probably. Does that mean they change the offensive staff again? Maybe. Uh, who knows? I do know that if they fire Freddie Kitchens, they won't bring in another first-time head coach. So, you know, someone like me who likes Kevin Stefanski, it's hard to see them hiring him because they're going to probably turn to somebody who's experienced. And maybe this team needs it. Maybe this team needs a guy who they can say, this guy has been there. He's done it. He's been in those places. Um, he's won those games. That's what they need. They need someone they can respect and ultimately fear and listen to. And maybe that's Ron Rivera or maybe that's Mike McCarthy. I don't know. Maybe that's Josh McDaniels because he's been around it and done it and been in New England. I don't know. Um, I don't know how the Browns front office will stand on the loss or if this is the the, the horrific outcome that they were mentioning in the report. Uh, but I do know that it's wearing, and it's wearing on everybody. And it's it's really challenging as a fan base to keep getting up and being encouraged and coming back and watching this team after you were so beat down at 0-16. You got so built up again. You really felt good about this team. Like, you probably haven't felt good about them since going into 2008 after the 10-6 and season. You're like, this is there. The plan is there. It's all laid out. And then this happens. And, it's, and it has not been fun all year. They've won six games. But I can't think of many games other than maybe Baltimore that were like, that was a fun team win. I felt good about them. They played good football. It has not been 
There's not been a ton of that, and and you can you can be the person who yells at me and says, well, the you know you enjoy every win. That's fine, but you can the wins that they were getting against bad teams. You could see the mistakes, the issues that were going to keep festering and keep popping up when they played somebody worth a damn, and they played somebody who was any good. Those things come up, and you know the Cardinals are not good by any stretch, but they played better, and uh, you know that's that's. In games where you need to play well and do the right things and do smart football decisions, the Browns haven't been able to do them. So even in those ugly wins where the Browns were a bad football team playing bad football but beating worse teams, I wasn't going to be happy. And this is what you get: you get six and eight despite the talent, and um, you know it's gonna it's gonna continue to feel like one of the worst, least fun seasons I've ever been around watching following any team. Period, and that's what's frustrating. That's what's that's what's challenging. And I know a lot of Browns fans who are just saying, "Man, I don't know if I can keep doing this. I can keep going down as low as we go, going down to zero and sixteen, and then coming out of it feeling hope, and then just getting kicked again." And if Baker Mayfield is not that guy, it is it is going to be. And you're watching Lamar Jackson play when you're watching Josh Allen now go to the playoffs. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard to be in that draft where you have the first overall pick. Watch Lamar win the MVP. It is, it is challenging, and I get why fans. Some fans want to walk away because are you going to cycle another GM and another head coach? Is it ever going to figure itself out? Am I war? Is it worth me pouring my time, my money, my energy, my 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 entire being into this franchise if it's going to keep going like this? I don't have that answer for you personally. I, I I just want you to know I have empathy. I'm struggling with it too. I write on this team. I try to cover it as unbiasedly as I possibly can. Uh, but I'm also a fan, and it goes back to my DNA when I was born and raised. And I've never known good Browns football. My first memories were right before they left, and then all I know is they, they came back and they've never been good. They had had two relatively decent seasons, and then they put together a decent year last year uh, going into this year, and we all felt that hope that this is finally, the wait is over, we can see good football, and this is what we've seen. You know, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham sulking on the sideline because they they can't figure it out, and they're just, they're, they're, they're doing loser things. Loser habits are popping up, and, and look, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll come back in a couple weeks and we'll feel better as the season closes, but the odds of that happening, you know, with Baltimore coming in for what could be an ugly game at First Energy Stadium and then going down to Cincinnati, um, who who is playing better football to end the year? I I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll keep fighting this fight together. That's all I can say. We'll keep fighting it together. Maybe it'll all make sense someday. Maybe it won't. I'll still be here. It's what I do. It's how I make a living. Um, I'll try to make sense of it all. And and if you ever have any questions, throw them at me, and we'll uh, we'll discuss. But that's all I have. It's late Sunday night into Monday morning, and I'm tired. And this team makes me tired. And I gotta go through it and try to make sense of it and I'll try to do the best I can for you hopefully you enjoyed my babbling about it and it brought some similar feelings to what you're dealing with but it's tough it's tough and I understand uh, you know those people that want to walk away from it because it's that it's that it's that challenging and uh, this franchise is unique in that nature and what it does so this is it I'm signing off from Brown's Film Breakdown I'll come back at you guys with a um, you know, with a Ravens preview because we're so far removed from that early in the year game that they're probably playing completely different football. So we'll get to that point later in the week. So uh, move on with your life. Get out, get some sunshine. <laughs>
not that you're depressed like I'm depressed about this team because they're like the focus of my life, but you know, it's it's just football at the end of the day. So, um, you know, enjoy your week, guys. As as always, I appreciate you tuning in on your drive-in or whatever you're doing on your Monday. And uh, um, I'll keep saying it until the end. Go Browns.